Hello, you are listening to More to the Story, a podcast for those who enjoy diving deeper into the Bible. I am your host, James Jones. Hello, and welcome to More to the Story. Thank you for joining me again today for another episode. Uh, Excited, excited to be able to jump on here and record a quick episode. I don't know how long this one will be, but I think we can have fun nonetheless. Like always, thank you for uh, rating and subscribing. If you have not left a rating, please go do that. Go leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you are listening. It will help others see the content. And if you have not liked us on Facebook, go to Facebook right now, pause the episode, go to Facebook, more to the story with James Jones, and give us a like there. Share our videos on Facebook, let's, and, and let's see if we can't grow um, this family here on in the podcast world. <clears throat> but I'm excited to uh, be able to talk to you today. The, the topic that we're going to talk about is, is um, one of my favorites. I love talking about this particular topic, but I trust that everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I am done with Thanksgiving for a whole year. I had last week five dinners. Um, one of them was a lunch, but uh, Sunday after service, our church service, we had our Thanksgiving dinner. Tuesday, I had Thanksgiving lunch. Uh, Wednesday night, I had Thanksgiving dinner at my at my grandparents, and and Thursday day we had Thanksgiving dinner with my family. And then Friday, we had Thanksgiving dinner with my wife's family. And so I've had five, and I am sick and tired of Thanksgiving food, of ham and turkey and dressing and and casserole and pumpkin pie. I'm just sick of it. I'm so thankful it's gone. But now that Thanksgiving is out of the way, nothing is standing in the way of Christmas. And, and uh, Christmas is in full swing here at the Jones house. Uh, listening to Christmas music, playing Christmas music on the piano. I just, I just love this time of year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, it's amazing. Christmas time is the best time. But thank you for joining us here uh, on more to the story. Thanks for being a part of the family. I'm gonna get right into this. I don't want to keep you too long. I'm just gonna read a couple verses really quick to lay a foundation. Isaiah 43, 10 through 11 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. And then the next chapter, 44, 6 through 8 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old, from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. That's uh, Isaiah 43 and 44. I just, I just want to talk about one, really. Um, a core doctrine that is 
absolutely central to our belief system is the foundation of our knowledge of who God is. It's the doctrine of one God or, or oneness. The Bible clearly teaches us that there is only one God. We read where God would speak and say things like this. He would say, I am God and besides me there is none. There is no God formed before me, neither shall there be after me. He says, besides me, there is no Savior, and my glory I will not give to another. Uh, God said in Isaiah 44, alone I stretched out the heavens, and I spread out the earth by myself. God says that over and over, actually, in the Old Testament. He says that he is by himself. He even says this, he said, there is none like him. So not only does God not have an equal, God doesn't have anyone even close to comparing to him. There is no one or nothing that is even like God. And he's not divided. Uh, he's not subdivided. He's not divided into different persons or personalities or minds, but God is one. Uh, God is all by himself. The Apostle John in Revelations, when uh, God gave John the vision of heaven. John said that he seen one throne and only one setting on the throne. So we believe that, that God is not divided, but he is one and he is supreme. But with that comes more revelation because when you say there is only one God, you're saying that there is only one answer. Right? When you say there is only one God, you are saying there is only one who can heal you, one who can redeem you, one who can deliver you. When you say there's only one Savior, then you are saying there is only one that can save you. Believing in, in, in one God goes so much further than just denying the Trinity. It's coming to an understanding in yourself that Jesus is the only one that you can pray to when you're in trouble. Because if there is no other God besides him, then he is the only option for prayer. When I'm in trouble, when I'm battling, when I'm struggling, he is the only option uh, that, that I can turn to because there's no other God. There's no other power that's available to pick me up and, 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 and fix what's wrong. That's what you are saying whenever you say that there is only one God. There's only one power. There's only one creator. There's only one savior. There's no other options. He is the only one that can do for you what needs to be done. So what you're saying is, is that there is no other option. When you're sick, when you're lost, when you're hurting, you, you can pray to whoever um, you want, but if you want an answer, you must pray to the only one who can answer your prayers. And there's only one. There's none else besides him, God. Jesus is the only one that you can call out to, that you can pray to. You can, you can pray to St. Peter if you want, but but he can't save you. You can pray to Mary, but she can't save you. You can pray to Brahma, but Brahma isn't real. You can pray to Zeus, but Zeus isn't real. Uh, you can pray to Muhammad, but Muhammad is dead. If, if you're lost and undone, there is only one that you can call out to, and his name is Jesus. 
You can call him in the morning. You can call him at night. You can call him at noon when the sun is shining bright. You can call on, <clears throat> you can call on Jesus, and he will do for you what needs to be done. There's none besides him. There is only one answer. Um, when you look at the world and how fast it's going downhill, uh, wickedness and evil and killings and diseases, uh, murders, suicides, a culture that's anti-Christ. I mean, every time every time you turn around, there is a, a, a new happening in the world that's crazy, that's evil. I mean, what goes through people's minds that they would drive a vehicle through a parade of children? It sickens me. Um, mall shootings. I just seen a couple days ago there was another shooting in a mall. We There's a lot of evil in the world. And when you look at all of it, you can become overwhelmed. You really can. You can become overwhelmed because this is the world that I'm raising my daughter in. This is the world that I'm going to be raising my children in. <clears throat> and it can be scary to think about where we will be in 10 years. Whenever my kids are teenagers, what, what's this world going to be like? What struggles are they going to be facing? And, and, and it can bring anxiety and fear. And, and, and all of that, when you're looking at um, the wickedness, the evil, the things that are going on, we are looking for answers. We really are. How do we fix this? How do we fix the hate that's in the world? How do we fix the immorality? Uh, what is the answer to the shootings? What is the answer to the riots? What is the answer to the alcohol and the drugs and the suicides? And there are answers. There are answers to all of those questions, but none of them, none of them are found in government. None of them are found in Washington. If you're from America, I know we have listeners outside of America, but uh, if you're from America, none of those answers are found in Washington. None of those answers are found in legislation and writing new laws and uh, none of those answers are found in a political party because there is only one answer, and his name is Jesus. When you look at everything in this world, every bad, evil, nasty thing that's going on, Jesus is the answer. There is no other answer. The, the problem with this world today is not racism. It's not addiction, and it's not abuse. Those are problems, but that's not the problem. The problem with our world is sin, and sin is a root that has many branches, right? It's, it's a, sin is a root that has many branches, and we must never fall into the trap of thinking that cutting off the branches is going to fix anything. Uh, it, it may look better for a while, but as long as the root stays alive, the branches will grow back. And so we can do what we want to uh, to try to cut back the branches. We can take our cutters and we can we can trim back the uh, evil of our world and try to do our best to pass laws or or to organize protests and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It trims back the branches, but the root is still intact. And as long as the root stays, the branches will grow back. You see, this world can think of many answers for the branches. But until we deal with the root, it's not going anywhere. That root is sin. And, and I want to say that that sin has already been dealt with. Sin has already been conquered. Jesus 
already conquered sin. And so while Washington is passing laws to try to cut back the branches, the church needs to turn to Jesus, and we need to attack the root. I said it in church today when I was preaching. We need to have a revival so hot that we burn every root of sin in our city. We need to have revival so hot that we burn every root of sin in our city. We need to pray that God would pull evil out by its roots. Can I tell you what's more effective than an organized protest? Prayer, turning to Jesus. Jesus can accomplish more than any of us can ever hope to accomplish. There's only one who has the power to save your family from sin. There is only one that has the power to to uh, to deliver your family from addictions and from depressions and for and from struggles and heartaches and hurt. There's only one. There's only one God, and God said there's none other besides him. He said, I alone am the Savior, and besides me there's none. Jesus is the only one that can save you. There's nobody else that can save you. There, there's nobody else that uh, can bring light to your dark place. There's nobody else that can give your thirsty soul a drink of living water. There is only one that can love you unconditionally. Jesus is the only answer, and besides him, there is not another. Uh, a story in the New Testament, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, something happens. Jesus is... Uh, teaching a multitude of people. At one point, there was like 5,000, and that's when Jesus fed them and all of that. And this is later on after that. But Jesus begins his sermon, and he teaches them, and he says some things that that a lot of the people really didn't take too well. And the Bible says that when he got done teaching, everybody got up and left, walked away. They all left Jesus. <clears throat> And Peter and the apostles, the 12 disciples, are, are still with Jesus. And Jesus turns to them and asks them this question, will you go also? And Peter, uh, always speaking for the group, steps up and he says, but Jesus, where else could we go? Where else could we go? What other options do we have? Then he says, because you have the words to eternal life. What Peter was saying is, God, you are our only one. We have no plan B. We have no fallback plan. We have no other option. Jesus, where else could we go? You are the only one that can save us. You are the only one that has the words to eternal life. See, they had more than just a revelation that God was one, but they had a revelation that God was their only one, that there was no other option for salvation. There was no other option for peace. There was no other op. There was nobody else that was going to love them like Jesus could love them. There was nobody else that could do for them what Jesus was doing for them. And Peter said, I have no option. There's only one option. Jesus is not interested in being one of your options. Jesus 
only wants to reign supreme. John said, I seen one throne and one setting on the throne. We need to live our lives in a way where there's only one throne in our life and one God that sits on the throne. Jesus needs to be our Lord. Jesus needs to be our King. Jesus needs to be our Director. Jesus, it needs to be Jesus everything. He is the only one. So, Peter, you guys going to go away too? But, God, where else could we go? Where else could we go? You're the only one that has the words that I need. You're the only one that can speak light into my darkness. Jesus, where else could we go May we live our lives in a way that shows that we are sold out to the God that loves us. I said it last week in my preaching. What being oneness is more than just believing that God that there is only one God. It's making sure that God is your only one. Right? You can't be oneness and have more than one God in your life. You can't serve God and success, God and money, God and finances, God and uh, pleasures. God's got to be your only one, your only option. And I end with this. I end with this. This is something I have looked at for a while now. Um, Still putting putting it all together in my head, but I'll give you a little... A snippet of it. The devil, our enemy, uh, he is not all-knowing. God is all-knowing, meaning God doesn't learn. He already knows everything. There is no knowledge that God doesn't have. Nobody can teach God anything because God, uh, all knowledge comes from God. God's all-knowing. But the devil is not all-knowing, so the devil learns. So the devil that we are facing um, has had thousands of years to perfect his attacks, to perfect um, his approach to tempting people, to attacking people. And, and he's ever learning. He's ever learning. And so that's why, that, that's why if the devil tries to attack you with something and it doesn't work, he's not going to do it again. He's not going to attack you with something that he knows isn't going to affect you. He learns your weaknesses and he exploits them. He, he attacks you in your weak points, your weak moments, your weak spots, and he learns those. And, and the devil in the Old Testament, he tried to, whenever he would try to pull God's people away from God, he would give them other options. He would give them other options. He would... Um, he would present to them false gods. He would present to them Dagon, uh, Baal, Ashtaroth, uh, um, all these, the, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Edomites. He would give them these false gods. He would offer them options to where uh, Jehovah wasn't their only option to worship, but they could worship the god, the gods of the Egyptians. They could worship um the, the gods of the other nations. It, it was giving them options. And it would work, but it would not be a lasting, pro, uh, it would not be a lasting success. And the devil over time realized that. He would give them Dagon, and, and, and Israel would fall away from God and they would worship Dagon, or they'd fall away from God and worship Baal or the God of Babylon or, 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 or whatever. 
but it was not a lack because God would always win in the end. God would always win. No matter what false idol they would stand up against God, God would knock it down. And God would always win in the end, and they would come back to God because eventually they would realize these gods have no power. And so the devil learned that that wasn't working. And so after Jesus comes on the scene and and dies and rises again and, and the church is having revival, the devil comes up with a new plan. Hear me. The devil comes up with a new plan. Instead of giving them a completely separate God, like the fish God or the sun God or or uh, the golden calf, instead of giving them something completely different, because that didn't work. They may have worshipped it for a while, but it didn't stick. It wasn't lasting. Uh, instead of giving them something completely different, why don't, we, why don't I give them what they already have just in a different package? What if I distort and taint the God that they already worship? Instead of giving them a completely different God, why don't I mess up the view of the God they worship? Okay? And so instead of giving them options outside of God, what if we subdivide God into different persons? What if we make him not one? What if we make him three minds, three wills, three personalities, three persons, what, what three voices? Instead of giving them other gods, let's just subdivide their God. And the devil, over around 200 years after the death of Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church presents this doctrine, or somebody presents it to the Catholic Church, and there's debates on it, and finally the Catholic Church adopts it there. But but the, it was a work of the devil. The devil was trying to divide the glory of God to where God was no longer solely one. We can never, we can never allow the devil to convince us to divide the glory that belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. My time belongs to Him. My finances belong to Him. Every part of me, it belongs to Him. And the devil wants to try to divide that and subdivide that and make us believe that we can have uh, we, we, we can have more than one throne in our lives. We can have uh, that God can be divided and God and, and we can have a portion of God here and a portion of God there. But but that's not that that is a lie from the devil. God is one and he is not interested in being a piece or a part or being divided. He is either your supreme and your one and only or he is nothing. You are either hot or you are cold, but there's, there's no in-between there. God must be your everything or your nothing. And the devil is still today trying to subdivide God to where we have the option to take portions or pieces and apply him to certain areas of our life, but not to all areas of our life. And it's worked. It was a good plan. Because here we are 2,000 years later, and the majority of Christianity is still being deceived by this doctrine of the Trinity that separated God into persons, into multiple deities, multiple minds. And God was adamant in the Old Testament. He said, I am one. I am by myself. There is none other. I am God alone. God wants his people to know there's no other option. He's the only one you can pray to. 
He's the only one that loves you. He's the only one that's going to be able to give you mercy. Jesus is the answer. And besides him and outside of him, there is no answer. Right? The Trinity was a work of the devil. Thank you for joining us. Um, It's a shorter episode, but that's okay. Um, I hope I help somebody. I, I encourage you to make God your one and only. I encourage you to give everything to God. Put it all in His hands. Leave it all on the table. Um, you can trust Him. You can trust Jesus. He can fix it. He can make what's wrong right. He can make what's crooked straight. Jesus is the answer. He can fix it. He can fix it. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope to see you or or hear from you next week. Like us on Facebook, share our videos, comment. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to subscribe and leave a rating. Hope to see you again next week.